Greetings, ladies and mendigants, and welcome to this narration of the web novel Burning Stars, Falling Skies, taken from both HFY and Royal Road. The link to the original will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please subscribe, like, and comment so that the great algorithm in all its wisdom decides to help grow this channel. Chapter 13 Unwelcomed Guests Threedak ripped the rests on her couch and leaned towards the hologram. A flick of the grass was later, and the technical data of the torture popped up on the display. Inside her head, the hazy figment of Dennis Bidding screamed concerns and advice at her, pacing back and forth nervously. His memories detailed the deficiencies of the human ships that her navy was based on when compared to the invaders. Mostly, it was a matter of efficiency. The invaders, like the Dodge Doll, could survive higher rates of acceleration than the slightly squishy humans, making their screening vessels faster and more maneuverable. Her analysis still predicted that the invaders would sold a slight edge over the more agile Dodge Doll ships, but it would be a near thing. Other than that, the invaders just seemed slightly better at everything. Their lasers fired a hair quicker and at a bit of higher wattage than the comparable human weapons. Their kinetic drivers fired faster and larger shells, and perhaps most disturbingly, their ships dispersed and radiated heat much better than any human vessel. In a long fight, the ability to disperse heat might be the difference between victory and defeat. Engines and weapons produced an immense amount of heat, and, unfortunately, vacuum was one of the best insulators in existence. Every ship in the Navy armed radiators to help prevent heat buildup, but as the ranges between vessels closed, even an armored radiator became an easy target. It was standard practice to make the radiators retractable so that the combat vessels could hide them in the armored bays in order to prevent them from immediately being melted off the side of the ship via laser fire. Unfortunately, a retracted radiator didn't work. Ships could still shunt excess heat into substances like water and eject that water into space. In fact, many military ships used puffs of superheated steam for maneuvering thrusters rather than inert gases for the exact reason. Still, both Katash and Threedak were concerned that their ships had a shorter combat window at full effectiveness than their enemies. This is Imperial Commander Commander Lakshia of the Ashley Kuning. Katash's voice spoke again from the intercom. Threedak felt the calm slip over her as her heard her daughter's voice clipped and professional. You will order the rest of the convoy to return to Dodge, then you will advance to meet the enemy, detaching screening vessels at the appropriate distance. Do not set the course to match, and do not engage in any direct intercept. Try accelerate past them. Threedak waited, her tail flicking nervously in the sterile, climate-controlled air of her office. After just over a minute of lag, the time it took for Katasha's orders to travel to the Ashley Kuning, Captain Lakshia, to listen to them and respond back, the response came. Acknowledged, Admiral Katash. Lakshia was the smaller Dodge Tal, almost cobalt in color, as Thridak recalled her. Her voice was high-pitched and warbled slightly as the breath passed over her neck pouches when she was agitated. Right now, her voice was almost indecipherable through the high-pitched buzz. Please confirm that you want us to accelerate past the enemy ships. Holding range and maneuvering defensively would let us maintain our optimal engagement envelope. 
That is confirmed, Captain, Katash replied immediately, her voice as calm despite the panic beginning to pull Meridian Station. You appear to be outnumbered three to one by the invaders. If they truly have three torchships, your chances of winning toe-to-toe battle are minimal. Your only chances are getting out of there alive is to get enough momentum that they cannot pursue you as you fly past. At this point, your primary objective is drawing the enemy away from the convoy. The Ashley Koenig survival is secondary, and the survival of your screening vessels is considered unlikely. Then came the wait. Three Dak coughed into a grasper, each spasm of her lungs causing her neck pouches to flutter weakly. She pulled herself up in the command couch, remembering Dormer's advice that she fix her posture so that her lungs could operate properly. More than anything, Three Dak was glad that she was alone in this moment of weakness. The last thing her daughters needed in the middle of a crisis was to see their mother struggling. They would worry for her and fret about her, distracting them from the very real existential threat represented by the trio of red triangles in the system map. Finally, Captain Laxia acknowledged her orders emotionlessly, and the ships began to move. With a glacial speed, the transports began to shed their excess velocity, breaking as one before reversing course and beginning the fuel-heavy journey home. The Ashley Kerning changed course, looking to use Hector and Gabriel's gravity well to slingshot in at an angle past the oncoming enemy ships. Threlax sighed. In a way, she missed the old days when she could personally lead the charge. Clad in steel and swinging a sword... Both battle groups were almost eight hours outside of their engagement windows, and even then she would be nothing more than a passive observer, receiving footage as an actual warrior's fighting almost thirty seconds to a minute after the actually occurred. She stood up from her command couch and began walking, suppressing as best she could the involuntary winces caused by the litany of aches and pains that afflicted her. Dorma told her that Dodge Tal weren't supposed to age, just get bigger. Unlike humans, their cell replication wasn't fatally flawed, doomed to create progressively deadlier mistakes as their telomeres failed. Still, many of the, uh, the doors of the Meridian Station Command Center opened before her. The buzz and constant activity quieted at her arrival, the faces of the soldiers staring up at her with reverent awe. Thredak nodded to them as she strolled past, stopping when she was shoulder to shoulder with Katash, where the younger Dutch Tal was frantically paging through the reports on the screen in front of her. What's going to happen out there? Thredak asked her daughter quietly, staring patiently at the huge holographic system map that filled the middle of the command center. Katash and her were in an island of calm as the storm of activity resumed around them. Dutch Tull, frantically returning to work, searching for an advantage in the current situation. Lakshia is probably going to die, Katash responded grimly. Even if she makes it past the enemy ships, her vessel is going to be crippled and probably irradiated. In better times, we could track it down with civilian tugs and retrieve it. But anyone I send out now is just going to be more casualties for the invaders waiting to be counted. Katash sighed, running a grasper over her dry facial features. I think Lakshia knows this too. She continued, notes of melancholy invading her usually stoic delivery. The best we can hope for is that she draws the enemy's ships away from the civilians, and the current plan has the highest probability of her surviving and drawing the invaders away, but it doesn't look great for her. 
In all likelihood, the invaders will change their headings to engage her, allowing the civilians to get away, but ceding her fate. That's why her vector brings her past the invaders without plowing through them. A croon of despair filled Threedak's voice. The amount of thrust and time it takes to match course with the Ashley Koenig is designed to buy the colony fleet's escape. She paused, looking up at her daughter. Her tongue tasted metallic air in the command room. How do we know what the invaders will pursue? She asked quietly. What do we do if they ignore Lakshir and just attack the fleet? If that happens, we lose even more daughters and sisters. Katasha's membranes nictated over her eyes, her voice resolute. It shouldn't, though. The invaders weren't ones to ignore a challenge to their might. Once the Kuning opens fire on them, they'll pursue. They always do. They sat in silence, three dacks suppressing the occasional need to cough. Had time ticked down. After an hour or so passed, orderlies came into the command center, passing out meals of freeze-dried meat. Technically, the shift changed, but none of the Dutch towels shifted from their couches. On the screen, the green and red dots drifted closer together with an almost glacial inevitability. Even before they closed into weapons range, the invaders' vessels began adjusting their course to intercept the Ashley Kooning. When the ships were almost 45 minutes away from each other, the intercom stirred. This is Captain Lichia. Grim determination had replaced the high-pitched anxiety in her voice. We are detaching screening vessels and prepared to engage now. We will continue to broadcast as long as we can. If anything... The gentle hiss imparted the transmission by background radiation continued. Lichia stopped. Silence filled the command center. Make sure our daughters know... Lakshia finished, her voice heavy. I want you to make sure that they know that this was for them. Threedak put a grasper on Katasha's shoulder, shaking her head briefly. She leaned forward, pressing the transmission button on Katasha's command couch. This is the Empress, she spoke, her tail flicking in agitation. I'll make sure that they know what their mothers did. The command center waited in silence. Two minutes passed, much longer than the delay from lightspeed transmission could justify. Thank you, Empress, Lakshia replied quietly. Thank you for everything. Around the command center, five screens lit up, each showing the breach of the Dutch Tall vessel. The Ashley Koenig was the largest at approximately five by ten meters, seating seven Dutch Tall. Lakshia stood tall in front of her command couch, soft vacuum suit obscuring her brilliant blue scales everywhere but her face. Wordlessly, she made a motion with one of her graspers before putting down the mirrored face guard. The holographic map of four green squares representing the Kithra-class screening vessels detached from the Ashley Kuning, racing ahead of it and taking up station between the torchship and her enemies. The cloud of green moats exited Kuning's hangar bay, and the ship's drone fighters flew towards the screeners. In all, thirty-four ships stood between the Ashley Kuning and the invaders. The plot updated, and the invaders followed suit. Luckily, the invaders weren't fully provisioned, but they still managed to field several screening vessels and fifty fighters. Threedak hissed in displeasure. Even with almost half of their support vessels destroyed or lost, the invaders outnumbered her kin almost two to one. The bridge of the Koenig shook slightly as the vessel fired off a salvo of long-range rockets before changing course. A second later, all of the screening ships shook as well, adding the weight to the rocket tubes of the Koenigs. 
Then, large tall of the smaller ships were pressed into their couches as they began accelerating towards the enemy, occasionally jerking to the side as their lateral thrusters kept them moving evasively. On screen, the two waves of rockets merged, matching speeds as they raced towards the invaders. In all, there were 36 weapons, 20 from the torchships and 4 from each of the screening vessels, containing a variety of warheads. Some were simple fusion weapons, deadly up close but hard to strike an evading target with the vastness of space. Others carried nothing but electronic countermeasure suites, although they were little more than sensitive and expensive projectiles on their own. Their presence would shield and protect the rest of the salvo from the enemy's point defense. The remaining majority of the rockets carried laser warheads, Technically, they were myosonuclear weapons, but they came with aiming mechanisms and control rods that would direct the usually unfocused radiation from a nuclear blast into the coherent and deadly stream of X-rays. The laser warheads weren't nearly as deadly as the direct fusion blast, but they could strike opponents from much further out at the speed of light, minimizing the defender's ability to shoot them down with point defense or dodge. The invaders fired their own wave of rockets, 90, three decrements. The invaders traditionally didn't put rockets on their screening vessels, instead using the space for closer-ranged weapons. They made up for it with 30 tubes per torchship, and by the look of the plot, all of them were in working order. Both sides continued firing, three salvos from the invaders and seven from the Dutch Tull. It was possible that the invaders were saving ammunition for future encounters, but the Dutch doll didn't have that luxury. Each rocket safe was just one more that could blow up in a magazine from an unlucky hit. Then the first stages of both sets of rockets scattered out of the weapons went ballistic. In a couple of seconds, both clusters of rockets would enter the final stage, igniting the higher performance engines to draw close to the enemies and unleash their deadly payloads. The Dutch doll vessels took advantage of a lull in the invaders' guidance systems and full evasive. On the bridge of each ship, all of the Dutch Tall were now pressed deep into the command couches as their ships danced and juked, trying to prevent enemy weapons from closing in on them. Dak knew that even now, suits were restricting blood flow to the legs and tails, attempting to keep the crew conscious while the cushioned walls of their couches prevented them from being bruised and injured. In the command center, silence reigned. Dak held her breath, steeling herself. For the chaos when the rockets struck. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you enjoyed the story, please follow the link down below and let the author know. If you wish to support this channel, you can do all the usual YouTube gumph, like subscribing, following, and more importantly, sharing. All of these things do help the channel grow. If you wish to do more, there are links for donations, Patreon, and channel memberships as well. And until the next time, I hope that you all have a wonderful one. I'll see you in the next video. Cheers.